0: Thank you. we've kind of set aside the entire month of January just to talk about who we are as a church and, and what we stand for and what we value and, and where we're going and, and, and just what, what God is doing at Life Point Church. And, and so I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you've chosen to hang out with us this morning. Uh, I'm confident that you'll know more about who we are when you leave. I'm confident you'll know more about who you are when you leave. Um, some of you know, I went away uh, for almost the entire month of October. It was uh, it was an interesting month. Uh, I, I spent a week with my wife. I spent a week on a retreat and I spent a week all by myself uh, just asking God to kind of help us uh, understand where we were going for 2021 and just try to get some direction and and some rest. And it was a, it was a great month. It was an, an awesome month. But here's what I need to tell you about day one. Uh, the first week, it was just me and Donna. We went away. Donna's dad's got a, uh, a cabin in Cleveland, Georgia, and so day one, I, I fix my coffee and I take my journal out onto the front porch, and I'm going to just kind of hang out with God for a little while and see see what's going on and and uh, just have a devotion and in coffee. Come on, somebody, it's coffee, right? And so I I, I just. Now, now listen. Now, sometimes when I pray, it's very formal and very. Most of the time, it's not. Um, I I think God ought to be your best friend, and I think that's how you ought to talk to Him, and um, and that's kind of how I was talking to Him that morning. I was like, Lord, uh, over the next uh, next you know few weeks, I just really need You to speak to my heart, and and He was like, Hey, I I do need to tell you something about yourself, Dwayne. And I was like, What? 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 <laughs> he said, uh, You've got one sermon. And I went, what? I've got files and folders and hard drives full. I've been preaching since nineteen ninety three. Most of y'all weren't even alive then. Some of you are. What is this one sermon? He said, Yeah, you got you got you got one sermon. You have one three point sermon. And I went, well, that's depressing. I've been preaching for almost thirty years, and I've got one sermon. And here's here's just what I started jotting down. I, I wrote it on the top of my journal. I have one sermon. One three-point sermon. The first point is this, and, and you've heard me say this time and time again, that God does indeed have a purpose and a plan for your life. That's that's point number one. God does indeed have a purpose and a plan for your life. What Dwayne, you don't know how bad I've messed up. Doesn't matter. God's got a purpose and a plan for your life. Well, I blew my plan. I, I messed up. Well, I know a God who's big enough to give you a brand new one. So that was point number one in my three-point sermon. Was you, God's got a purpose and a plan for your life. Point number two was you ought to fall in love with Jesus. You ought to do everything you can to, to get to know him and to know him more. And you've probably heard me say something like that almost every time I preach you ought to fall in love with Jesus. Because, oh, by the way, if you're here and you're not in love with him, you ought to be. If you're here and you don't know him, can I tell you, that he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. I just need to brag on Jesus for a minute and let you know that he changed me from the inside out, took all that was wrong and made it right, made me a new creation, and he'll do the same for you, by the way. That's just true. So that's the second point. You ought to, God's got a purpose and a plan for your life. that. You ought to fall in love with Jesus. And the third point is, you ought to help somebody else find peace with God. So if that's going to be our only sermon, that's a pretty good one, I think. You got God's got a plan for you. God knows what he's doing. If you fall in love with him, he'll change your life. And he wants to use you to make a difference in somebody else's life. And I'm like, oh, okay, Lord. Is that... What, what are you trying to tell me? Because I, honestly, I was feeling a little depressed. I was like, okay, because I guess those, all those hard drives full of sermon notes didn't mean very much. And he's like, oh, son. I love it when he calls me son because he's my dad, he's my father. And he's like, son, that sermon is exactly why you're at Life Point Community Church. You'll notice. Uh, on our, on our logo, it's just getting ready to pop up on the screen. That's pretty good how I just said it. I just spoke it into existence. There's this little tagline underneath that says, connect, grow, and serve. And I, I don't want you to, I, I don't want to misinform you. Those three words are critical to who we are as a church. And you'll still hear those words, but what we're going to do over the next three weeks and and for the next I don't know how long, we're going to refine those three words, and we're going to put them on laser focus and, and try to help us understand a little bit more clearly the kind of church that I believe God is building here at Life Point. The first one we're going to talk about is purpose. Purpose. If I have a life verse, it's Jeremiah 29, verse 11 says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for good, not for disaster. Plans to give you hope and a future. I, I, I believe that with everything in me. I, someone spoke that into my life when I was a teenager. God's got a plan for you, Dwayne. And can I tell you, I, I've clung to that verse in, in, in dark times, in difficult moments when I I couldn't I couldn't find solace from any human being. I, I knew that God had a plan. When we lost two babies with miscarriage, I, as broken as I was, I understood that God had a plan, and he does. So, What does that mean for us as a church? What is, I, I told you last week that I wanted our church to be a hospital for the broken. And, and some of you, have been through the emergency room here, but I wanted to be more than that. When we were in Statesboro, the hospital there in town, it, there was something unique about the hospital there in town, and I didn't find this out until I was going to get some blood work done. And I, I don't—I mean, I'm a big guy and I got big veins. Taking my blood is not a big deal. I mean, it's usually there it is. And so this this girl, she looked like she's about 13 was sitting across from me, and and she went, oh, missed it, oh, missed it, oh, missed it. And I'm like, baby, open your eyes, do, do something. She said, let me try the other one. I was like, okay, there's no holes in that one yet, so let's. And finally, she got it, and I, I found out later because I was telling somebody at our church about that, well, it's, you know, it's a teaching hospital. I was like, well, they, do they start in kindergarten? I don't know. How does that? How does that work? LifePoint should be a teaching hospital. It should be a place that you come when you're broken and hurt. Find rest and healing and wholeness. And then help somebody else. Man, I love this. Angie Banks posted this yesterday. I, I was in the middle of going through these notes. And she posted this on Facebook. Here's what it says. We'll go from broken to healing. From healing to healed and then we help others. That's who we are y'all. Listen, I, I want you I, I want you healed and I want you whole, but not just for you, because you know somebody and I know somebody that's broken and hurting and lonely and desperate that only Jesus can help and God is counting on you to make the introduction. Be a part of the healing hospital. We are God's house. We're God's house. Oh, you, you notice I didn't say this is God's house. We're God's house. And so I've got this image in my head that I wanted to share with you today about, about what we're supposed to be and who we're supposed to be and what we're supposed to do. And, and so I, I I filtered it through. This idea of God's house. And so I'm going to ask you a question. What's your, in your house, what's your favorite room? What's your most important room? And that's a difficult question to answer, isn't it? Because it really depends on what you need at any given moment, right? So if I'm hungry, my favorite room's the kitchen. The kitchen. And if I'm not hungry, my favorite room's the kitchen. <laughs> that's probably not true. If you're tired, your favorite room is the bedroom. bedroom, Right. If you want to hang out with your family, it might be the living room. You got it. If you got to get some work done on your car, the most important room is probably your garage. How about if you got friends coming over for a summer barbecue? Might be the backyard.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And so I want to see if we can't use that little analogy. Talk about how we're supposed to be as God's house and, and who we're supposed to be as God's church. So let's talk about the living room. In God's house, the living room would represent fellowship. Let's, let's read this passage here. Hebrews chapter 10 says, Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works, and let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now, that the day of his return is drawing near. And I'll tell you this. If there's any one part of the church that COVID tried to steal, it's this part. Now, now listen, some of you are still watching online, and, and, and I was telling somebody today that the numbers of people that are watching online is ticking up, and that's so exciting, and I'm glad. And listen, if this is your connection to the local church right now, that's awesome, and, and I, I'm, I'm thankful that, that we have that ability. I'll never forget the text messages and the Facebook messages that I got when we were shut down and we were doing online. I can't wait to just be with my people again. So we decided, when we decided to come back, we said, well, let's, we'll do two services and we set up tables. Some of you remember and so everybody could stay apart. And then that didn't work because y'all decided you couldn't see everybody. So you came to both. See, the living rooms where relationships happen. And I'm going to tell you that if we're going to live and we're going to serve God and we're going to live this life, you need somebody. You need somebody who's walking this path. You need somebody who's locking arms with you. You need fellowship. And, and contrary to what most folks in a charismatic or Pentecostal church might, fellowship doesn't mean fried chicken. It, it's part of it. It's where relationships happen. Not too long after we started meeting together, I was. I usually camp out one or two places after service. I'll usually lean against that uh, stairwell or I'll be over here at the back row. And Randy Smith's father was here that day. He's 90, 93. Uh, Just so you know, you don't get to be 93 and not be pretty smart. (laughs) You got to be a smart guy to live 93 years, right? And so he's on. on the opposite side of the door, and I'm just kind of, you know, saying bye to people as they're leaving, and and nobody's leaving. It, it's 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 the weirdest thing. Sometimes I'll 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 stress because we'll go five or ten minutes over, and I'll think, oh man, that's 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 bad. A couple of weeks ago, when we everybody shared their their heart for their ministry, uh, we went way over, and I thought, man, that's that. That's the longest our search service has been in a long, long time. And nobody left. You just gather right here in the middle, right back there in the back on the edges. And and I'm watching this. And, and Randy's dad walks over to me and he said, I need to tell you something. And and listen, I'm I'm that guy that somebody 80, 90 90 years old says he wants to tell me something, I'm listening. And he said, You see what's happening around here? And I said, Yes. It's kind of cool. He said, In my experience when people start gathering like that and won't leave church revival's on the way mm. can I tell you we need each other the, the, the word in the New Testament for fellowship is koinonia and it's a Greek word that means when people gather together with a common purpose and that's what we are today. well Dwayne, I, I, don't, I don't come that often it's my first time here you're here today and we're, we're, we're locking arms together. Man, we need that. I mean, know we need the living room. Yes. And we need the kitchen table. Uh, uh, the Lighthouse has changed a little bit over the last few years. Uh, we went from having, you know, both the boys at home, uh, then... One at college, and then one living away, and then one moving back, and one finishing college, and then, and then all of a sudden they're both married and I got a grandchild. <laughs> and they're, the, the nest is empty. And I, th- there's parts of that that I miss a lot. There are parts of it that are have distinct advantages. <laughs> but there are parts that I miss. One of the things I miss the most, Saturday morning breakfast. We had this thing at our house that, you know, our, our boys were always very active in different activities. And so it was, sometimes meals were, you know, get what you can when you can. But on Saturday morning, we would we cook a big breakfast and we'd sit around the table and we'd just learn each other and we would just share and we would laugh. And y'all, you can't live with Mikey and Matthew Lipe and not laugh. It's funny. <laughs> it's just, it's just an, I, I miss that because we grew as a family. Around the kitchen table. So the kitchen table for us is going to represent discipleship. It's where growth happens. It's where you sit down and eat of the bread of life. Hmm. Here's what Jesus said in John chapter 8. Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. You'll know the truth. And the truth will set you free. I hear people all the time that will say, Do I, not, I don't know that much about the Bible. I don't know that much about the f- Christian faith. I don't know. Well, I, I, I got it. I understand. Let's learn. Yeah. Let's go a little deeper. That, that's why we give you two opportunities every week to come and listen. There's, there's two growth groups every week. One Sunday morning at 10, one Wednesday night at 7. And you ought to come. You ought to be a part of that because you got then you need to have a point where you sit around the table and eat and grow and learn and oh here we go mature. You ought to come. I love the kitchen table. I love the kitchen table. I love to learn. I love to teach. So we we need the living room and we need the kitchen table. And we need the bedroom. Everyone in this room whose last name is Life is now scared to death. <laughs> Let me tell you what the bedroom represents. See, some of y'all were asleep till just then. <laughs> it's a couple things, it represents rest. I've had people that would come to me that maybe knew attending the church and say, uh, "Dwayne, listen, we had a bad experience. We're tired. So we're going to come to church and just rest. And that's okay. You need to have a place to rest. I, now, now don't don't stay there all the time because then you know if, if all you do is stay in your bedroom, then." You're kind of useless to society if you do it for a year and a half, right? So you need to you need to come and find a place of rest. You need to let, it's worship, y'all. That's what I'm trying to talk about. See, the, the two things that happen in the bedroom are rest and intimacy. I want to sit at your feet, drink from the cup in your hand, lay back against you and breathe. Feel your heartbeat. See, that's the bedroom is where restoration happens. Some of you raised boys, and you know what volume that creates. (laughs) I remember Saturday mornings. You know, before we got up and ate breakfast, and maybe the boys were stirring around, can I tell you that th- those were some times when Don and I would just talk, and just and just share hearts and dream, in the quietness of that closed room because we knew as soon as we opened the door, it was on. <laughs> it's a time of intimacy. It's a time of rest. And, and see, we we need that. We need a place where we can. Rest in the arms of our Savior and lay back against Him and and and, and hear His heart and, and here's here's what I'm I'm trying to to let you know is that if if we don't have those moments of rest and worship and see that's that's uh, we have to have that. I, I love now. Listen, I know she's my wife, but those Donna's so good at at letting the Holy Spirit as as she finishes a song just. Just make it sink in and, and here's what I want you to do. I want you to be able to come here, and I want you to not just hear some information, but I want you to experience the presence of God. Rest. It's worship y'all. It's worship. Jesus said it this way, Matthew chapter 11, "Come to me, all you who are weary, and carry heavy burdens, and I'll give you rest take my yoke upon me let me teach you because i'm humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy to bear and burden that i give you is light oh, oh we got to we got to have the living room and we got to have the kitchen table we got to have the bedroom oh but listen there's work to be done now now, now, listen, our house is just like everybody else's house. We, uh, you know, it, we, we live in our house, and it's not always just orderly all the time, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. But Don does a pretty good job, and I help. Do I, I help? Yes, I do help. Uh, you know, making sure that if one of y'all happen to come by, that, you know, there's not, you know, this sink full of dirty dishes and all that stuff. We try to, we try to make sure that it's presentable when you guys come over, and, and uh, except for the garage, Except for the garage, the garage is tow up. <laughs> There's, it's, it's tow up from the flow up is what it is. It's tow up because you know what the work happens there. If you go in my garage, you, you're gonna see tools and you're gonna see weed eaters and you're gonna see Mikey's pressure washer that he's never getting back. <laughs> and, you, and you're gonna see lawnmower and you're gonna see wheelbarrows and you're gonna see stuff. Because, listen, if all we do is hang out in the living room and all we do is hang out in the bedroom and all we're going to do is sit around the kitchen table, we're going to be fat Christians. (laughs) Now, listen, Jesus saved you or is going to save you, but he's going to give you something to do. (laughs) See, The garage represents service. It's where ministry happens. 1 Peter chapter 4 says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Service. Now listen. Now I'm I'm not going to say what I'm getting ready to say. So you guys will come up to me after church and pat me on the back and say, Dwayne, you're a great preacher. That's not why I'm saying it. Trust me, I'm not saying it for that. Because I recognize I'm not the greatest preacher on the planet. You with, you with me? You're, you're afraid to say amen. <laughs> I, I, I,
1: that's
0: it. It's like a B12 shot right there, y'all. But I also have YouTube. I, I know there's a lot of men that's more eloquent and more knowledgeable i get it all that I, I understand that but can i tell you in this moment when i'm looking at your faces and i'm i'm trying to share with you something that god has tattooed on my heart i feel like this is why i'm on this planet yes. and i want that for you yes. i want you to find that thing where you can say listen i was made for this yes. and i've seen it i i saw it it's did you notice a couple of weeks ago when all of these ministry leaders came up here and they were sharing their hearts with you? Did you hear the passion in their voice? Do you know why? Because they could say, I was made for this. Yeah. Cindy Robertson's talking about her passion and burden for those children and and couldn't even get the words out of her mouth. Yeah. She's made for that. Some of y'all was w- were with us when we went and delivered a basket of food and and, and gifts to this lady that we didn't we don't know her and And she came out, and we were able to pray for her. I looked in Amber's eyes, and I could tell that's what she was thinking. I was made for this. Serena Williams called me and couldn't even speak in her phone after she delivered all those socks to the homeless people. She was telling me the whole story. And she didn't say it with these words, but I could hear it in her voice. I was made for this, and I want that for you. I want you to find that thing where you can say, this is why I'm on the planet. This is it. When you do that, then service in work it's joy. Yes, mm. now, if, if you come over to my house and it's somewhere between March, and November, mm-hmm. and you come over for a meal, we're probably not going to use the stove. Mm-hmm. We're going to burn something in the backyard. Right. It's, it's, and it's, it's not going to be kale it's not going to be cauliflower it's going to be meat and we're going to stand out there while it's cooking we're going to talk and we're going to share, you're going to hear my story, I'm going to hear yours see we, we need the living room we need the bedroom, we need the kitchen table, we need the garage oh you know, what does it mean if we don't have a backyard where we share the gospel see the backyard in the in god's house represents evangelism it's where outreach happens it's where we realize that this world isn't is not just for me it's for somebody else matthew chapter 28 you heard a lot of our ministry leaders quote this because i told them to <laughs> Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son, of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I've commanded you. Behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. I'm convinced now more than ever before that you know somebody today that needs Jesus. Well, Dwayne, how, how does, how does, what does that look like? <laughs> Glad you asked. See, I, I'm going to tell you let me say it like this. There's a buzzword in church growth circles. that says that every church should be outward focused. And I, I believe that. I believe that we we need to be concerned about more than just what's in this room. That there's a community around us that needs to hear the gospel. There's a community around us that needs help, that we need to serve, that we need to love, that we need to minister too. But I, I, I told you last week that we weren't an organization, that we we're an organism. And an organism has to, has to do two things. It's got an exhale, but it's got an inhale. And so I think when we're healthy, it's when we're inhaling and exhaling. In other words, that we're, we're reaching out we're exhaling out into the community, but we're also inhaling and making sure that those of you that are here are, are, are being discipled and you're growing and you're, you're learning and and you're being challenged. I hope sometimes you come here and I make you mad. I hope sometimes you come here and, and, and I challenge you to the, and it's not me, by the way, it's, it's the Holy Spirit. If you leave your challenge, it's not Dwayne doing it, it's just, I'm, I'm a speaker, I'm like the PB thing up there on the wall. That's all. And, and, and I hope you leave challenged. To grow in your walk, to get closer to God. And oh, by the way, we got to do that. We got to inhale, but we got to exhale, y'all. You don't, you don't hear this a lot, but listen to me. There is a world going to hell. And you, in your heart, if you're a follower of Christ, you got the keys to the kingdom. Maybe, maybe this year, more than ever before, we need to take those keys off our key ring and, and put them to work. So write this down. A big part of our purpose as a church is helping you find yours. See, and I believe that all of us have that. That, that if, if what I've just described to you is our, our purpose as a church, then you've got one as an individual, right? You've got one as an individual. In fact, here's what the passage says in Ephesians chapter 1. In him we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things out to the counsel of his will. Let let, let me see if you get this purpose of him who works all things out according to the counsel of his will. So whose plan is it? Whose purpose is it? See, the goal is not to get God on board with your plans for your life, but to get you on board with his. See, here's what I hear sometimes. Well, here's my plan, I'm going to go to this college and I'm going to have this career and I'm going to marry this kind of woman and and I'm going to have 2.7 kids and we're going to live in the suburbs and I'm going to drive, you know, an Escalade and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that and I sure hope God helps me. Listen, I, I, I did that. It doesn't work. We can't sit idly by and say, "God, I wish you'd help me with my plan." Can I tell you what it's supposed to look like? Here's my life. Do with it what you will. See, we get so concerned about, when we talk about purpose and plan. What we hear is vocation. What is it that God wants me to do as a for a job? What is it that God wants me to do vocationally? And oh, by the way, I do believe He's concerned about that. But but there's some other stuff that comes first. See, you and I, we we have different personalities. Somebody said, Duane, you got a real different personality." But we have we share a common purpose. Jesus said it this way in John chapter 15, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. And here's what we do. When we read that passage, we go straight to the end. Oh, whatever I ask God for, he's going to give it to me. And you're missing the most important part of that passage. He said that you should go and bear fruit. See, here's what he's talking about. He said, if you'll put yourself in an environment in a position where you're you're, you're doing this God's way, you'll put yourself in a, in a position for God's greatest blessings. So in the time that we got left, I'm gonna share, share your purpose. And if you guys have been around here for a little while, we've done two campaigns. One was called 40 Days of Purpose. One was called What on Earth Am I Here For? And the next 7 minutes are straight out of those two campaigns. But I, I so this might be a little reminder for some of you, some of you never heard this before. But I I want you to leave understanding why you're on this planet. The first thing is you were planned. Here's your here, here it is. Here's your purpose. You were planned for God's pleasure. Your purpose is to worship God. And sometimes worship looks like rest. Sometimes it looks like music. Sometimes it looks like prayer. Sometimes it it looks like adoration. Sometimes it looks like singing. Sometimes it looks like serving. You were made to live your life to bring glory to the name of God. That's why you're here. Romans 12 says it this way. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he'll find acceptable. Listen, this is truly the way to worship him. You're planned for God's pleasure. You're planned for God's pleasure, and you were formed for God's family. So your purpose is to participate in genuine fellowship in the house of God. No. You know, COVID changed the game for us. You know, we had to get real creative about what church looks like, and and frankly, we don't we don't know what what the next weeks and months hold. No idea. No idea. But I'll tell you what I'm learning now more than ever before. And I say things like this, and I think I think people think that I'm being self serving because I'm a pastor. But I need you to hear this with conviction. You need to be connected to the body of Christ. And if, if today, if the only way you can do it is through that camera, I, I get it, but stay connected. Find a way, even if it's just through a Facebook group, you find a way to stay connected to the body of Christ. And I'm going to tell you why, because you need it. I'm, I'm not going to go into a lot of detail but I got a brutal reminder yesterday morning how desperately we need each other. And we need the fellowship of the body of Christ. got a text message early, early yesterday morning that, that someone that several years ago was an active member of our church had gotten arrested for murder. Not too terribly long ago, He's sitting in my office, and I asked him a question because things had gotten bad. I said, when did, it, when did it go off the rails? That was my question. When did it go off the rails? And he looked at me and said, when we left church. Now, I, I didn't tell you that story to, to, to go, oh, gosh. You know, does that mean that my life's going to come unraveled? If I don't know, but I will tell you this. You need to be connected to the body of Christ. I need you. You need me. We need each other. You've heard me say that for years and years and years, those of you that have been around a while. I need you. You need me. We need each other. It matters. I'm trying to find the right words, y'all. I don't know where I'd be without the church. Actually, I think I do know where I'd be without the church. I I think I'd be dead in hell. But, you know, I stand here, a beautiful wife, lovely family, an awesome church to serve, the one you really must have your act together, not even close. Somebody in the church introduced me to a man named Jesus at 14 years old. We need each other. You need to be part of God's family. You're planned for God's pleasure. You're formed for God's family. You were created, write this down, to become like Christ. See, that's what discipleship really is. It's when we... We start to look like Jesus. We start to act like Jesus. We start to serve like Jesus. We start to love people like Jesus. We start to treat people like Jesus treated people. We're supposed to become like Christ. I found this passage of scripture that I thought was just, it blew me away. It's uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 2 says this Our lives are a Christ like fragrance rising up to God. Don't you want to be so much like Jesus that you smell like him? See that's, and I, I, love it when people kneel around an altar, kneel in a seat, or, or bow their head and surrender their life to Christ. That's that's not the end of a story. That's the beginning of a brand new creation. And I want you to, I want you to take that, and I want you to grow more like Jesus. And we want to help you do that. But guess what? You know, I I, I start a start a class tomorrow morning, um, and uh, the the institution that I'm going to is provided all the resources. They've told me what books to buy and they told me when to turn in my assignments and they told me all the stuff. But guess what? I got to open the book and I got to study and I got to write the papers. See, we want to make sure that you've got all that you need to grow, but you got to belly up to the table. You got to grow. All right, we're almost done. We you are formed for God's pleasure, you are formed for God's family, you were created to be like Christ, and you were shaped to serve God. We're talking about ministry. Since tomorrow's Martin Luther King's uh, holiday, I'm going to give you one of his quotes. I love this. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said, life's most persistent and urgent question is, what are you doing for others? What are you doing for somebody else? You'll never find satisfaction in this narcissistic self-serving way of life it's always a dead end but can i tell you you'll find joy and you'll find peace and you'll find uh, maybe i don't know if happiness is the right word you'll 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 understand your purpose when you give out of yourself to somebody else sometimes that looks like sharing the gospel sometimes that looks like putting your arm around somebody that's struggling with addiction sometimes that's taking somebody the hand that, that might not be quite as far down the road as you are and helping them. Maybe if we just learned this simple phrase, love God, love people. What if, what if it were just that simple? And if we just learned to love God and share that love with somebody else, And then lastly, you were made for a mission, and here's your mission, to go into all the world, make disciples of all the nations. There's somebody in your world that needs to know the Jesus you know. Well, Dwayne, I I can't because I I still got this that I'm, I'm, my life's still broken. I'm still a work in progress. I'm still, I'm not there yet. Um. Let me, let me take you off the hook a little bit. None of us there yet. We all works in progress. And, and while I, and I hear your heart, you're like, I, I, I don't feel like I'm qualified to, to share my faith with somebody else. You're not. But the Holy Spirit that lives in you will give you words to say and it will give you grace and it will help you. And, and listen, we make this so difficult and we've convoluted it so much that we, we think we ought to have some kind of strategy to share our faith. Here's what somebody wants to know. Somebody just wants to know how the best definition of evangelism I ever heard was it's one beggar telling another beggar where he found the bread. And, and listen, if, if you're lying, has been redeemed by Jesus and he's taken all that's old and made it new. And you've got a story to tell and I promise you, I promise, promise, promise you there's somebody in your world that is desperate and waiting to hear it. So, well Dwayne, I thought you was going to tell me what I was supposed to do with my job. I thought you were going to tell me what college to go to. I thought you were going to tell me what what, who I'm supposed to marry, where I'm supposed to live. I, I just want to tell you this with conviction. If you'll focus on God's purposes for your life, he'll reveal yours. If you'll put that first, oh, what, what is it we say? If you'll seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all this stuff, all the stuff that you worry about. You know, we find ourselves worrying about the stuff that's not going to last forever. Proverbs says it this way, the heart of man plans his ways, but the Lord establishes his steps. I'm kind of stuck in the middle right now. I don't know where I'm supposed to go. I've been there. It's uncomfortable. But maybe you're in that place of discomfort because God is drawing you to himself. He told Jeremiah, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as a prophet to the nations. If God had an appointment for a prophet 4,000 years ago, he has an appointment for you. and An appointment so you'll be able to stand in the middle of it and say, I was made for this. That's what I want for you, y'all. The psalmist said, I cry out to God most high, to God who will fulfill his purpose in me. He's big enough to lead and guide and direct your path if you'll put him first. So before I let you go, I just want to share this this one last passage with you. And it's in in a book in the Old Testament called Ecclesiastes. And Ecclesiastes is written by an unnamed preacher. There's speculation. We don't know who wrote it. And a, a lot of the book is it's kind of rides this back and forth swell of you know I, I don't I don't know why I bother all this all this work I'm doing just seems like it's he called it vanity of vanities he said it seems like I'm trying to chase the wind and then he he finishes this book Donnie you can come on. With this after, after all he said He said it really only comes down to one thing He said The end of the matter All has been heard Fear God and keep his commandments For this is the whole Duty of man Can I just tell you If we'll just If we'll just try to Here's how we say it If we'll just try to listen to God Do what he says Can I tell you a lot The rest of the stuff Bow your heads with me. When we pray this morning, I want to challenge you. If you're here and listen, maybe you've been in church all your life, I I don't know. There's never been that point of commitment where you surrendered your life to Christ. When you say, okay, God, here's my life, take it. Man, I'd encourage you to do that today. I'd encourage you to, God, here's my life. Take it. I believe in your son. I believe in the work that he did on the cross. It was enough to pay for my sin. So now I want you to take my life. You know, I want it to matter. I want you to forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me. You to take my old life and give me a brand new one. See, I believe if you'll pray a prayer just like that that God will honor, you. He'll set your feet on a new path. And I'm not telling you that because I read it in a book, I'm telling you that because that's what He did for me and for countless other people that I know. Maybe you're here and you'd say, Duane, there's, there's turmoil. There's trouble in my world. And I'm starting to realize that what makes sense is for me to put God first in my life, in my family's life, in my work life, in my home life, to put Him first, to fulfill His purpose for me. I would just challenge you today to surrender and say, God, I, okay, God, I've, I've done it my way and it, it didn't work. So, I, I, I need you to lead in God and direct my path. I need you to fulfill that passage in Jeremiah chapter 29 where you, you said you had a future and a hope for me. I, I, need, you to, I need you to make that a reality in my and he will. So uh, while Donna's playing, I'm just going to challenge you to bow your head. And in your own way, you know, maybe maybe God has dealt with you a little bit about a, a part of your house that's missing. Maybe you're not spending enough time in, around the kitchen table and being disciples you should talk to him about that today maybe you're not spending enough time in the bedroom in a place of rest and intimacy with your Savior maybe you should talk to him about that today maybe you're not spending enough time in the backyard where you're telling others about Jesus maybe you're not spending enough time in the garage where you're doing a work for the kingdom for other people maybe you should talk to God about that today so I'm gonna give you a couple minutes just in the quietness of this moment to just talk to Jesus. Donna sing.
1: Cause you are Master.
0: If you're here and you say, Dwayne, I, I need you to pray for me. Just so I know who I'm praying for, just want you to put your hand in here. Who am I praying for today? Amen. Amen. Father, in the name that's above every name, the name of Jesus. We're so grateful for your grace and your mercy and your love. God, many of us in this room need to take another step. We need to serve you we need to grow to be more like you we need to share your word with others we need to rest and be intimate with you we need to fellowship with your people we need, we need more of you so god i pray that you just as only you can you give somebody rest for their soul this morning that you challenge somebody to take another step in their walk with you today most of all, God, we leave this place, our lives, completely surrender to your purpose and your plan for us. And we love you, Jesus. And God, we sing as a prayer, pry our fingers from the earthly. God, the reason we don't want to surrender to you sometimes is because we're holding on so tightly to things that we think will bring us joy. Remind us today, God, that the only place where joy truly lives is in a life that's surrendered to Jesus. And that's what we want to do today. Meet every need, every hand that, that went up. God, you know what it represents. And so, God, I just pray as only you can, you do work in every life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hadn't it been good to be in the house of the Lord today? You ought to give him an ovation.